Hi, everyone. Welcome to Being Patient Perspectives. I'm Deborah Kahn, founder of Being Patient. Um, we launched Being Patient Perspectives to look, um, have a first person look at what it's like to live with Alzheimer's um, from the person um, who's suffering from it um, from their perspective. So I'm really pleased to have with us today Peter Berry. Um, he was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's at the very young age of 50 years old. Um, thanks so much, Peter, for joining us. No, you're very, very welcome. It's a, it's a privilege to be here, it really is. So Peter, I really, I, I, I know you want to talk about that initial stage of diagnosis, but before, mm -hmm. but before we do, um, I want to say I, I love what you're doing. Um, Peter, every week hosts a video, um, a vlog, and talks about different elements um, and aspects of living with Alzheimer's from his perspective. Um, it's a wonderful opportunity for us to appreciate um, really what it's like to live with dementia. And Peter, I wanted, um, I know you really wanted to talk to us about that initial stage of diagnosis. Um, I think you suffered terribly from depression, which is completely understandable. Um, so why don't we just start with telling us how were you diagnosed? Um, how did you know something was wrong? Okay, yeah, well, it's in actual fact, to be honest with you, I didn't really think anything was wrong. I was, I was, I was pretty happy with with the way things were going. It was my wife who noticed um, the, the problems that I was having. Um, at that time, I ran a timber business, um, and I was running the business not as well as I had done in previous years. And I've been running it for about twenty or oh, twenty-five-ish years. Um, I was making lots of notes, and um, I was stumbling and, and making lots of very bad decisions. And I think one of the things that happened is my wife came into the office that we have here at home and and the place was plastered with sticky notes, um, reminders for me that I had never done. So she started the ball rolling with getting some sort of diagnosis and getting me into, um, you know, into a doctor's surgery. That process yep. took three years, believe it or not. And that is such a common story that we hear repeated over and over again. Um, first, it's usually the partner who notices the spouse um, who's closest to the person. Um, and secondly, just this slippage of um, not being able to function at work in, in a, a way that you used to. Um, mm. So three years, um, that's not surprising, unfortunately, a three, and usually it's, you have mild cognitive impairment and then you have Alzheimer's. Was it, was it the same for you? Yeah, I mean, basically I, I sort of get it in a way because they try and outrule so many different other elements like depression and, and all of these other conditions. And um, yeah, I get that, but three years is a long, long while. And my wife did have to battle constantly and constantly battle and battle to get a diagnosis. And, and it was only actually pure chance that we got a diagnosis because we were we were poached, I think, by somebody else because somebody else looked at my test results and came up with the idea, you know what, this this guy is, is not doing well. Something's wrong. Let's compare the brain scans. So they compared the brain scans and they could see the deterioration over over a period of, of three years. 
So when you when you did get that um, diagnosis, um, tell us a little bit about what that was like. I mean, you 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 know we you've written before um, and and you vo you've um, vocalized before that you know you've actually even considered ending your life. Um, so tell us tell us about how how you got over that shock and what that that shock was like to begin with. Well, to begin with, when we sat down in a doctor's surgery and, and she said that I had early onset Alzheimer's and my life expectancy was, and I believe I'm right in saying, um, eight to ten years maximum. Um, to begin with, I thought, well, you know what? Yeah, I can cope with this. Yeah, big deal. So what? And I was quite numb to the whole thing. It wasn't really until I think I got home, or, or we got home, because the diagnosis is for us as a family and not just me as an individual. Um, I got home and I think over a period of a few weeks, because there was no support in this country for us after a diagnosis, a post-diagnosis support, that I think the enormity of dementia, the enormity of Alzheimer's and what was going to happen to me and my family did weigh very, very heavy on my shoulders. And for a, a good year, I went into quite quite a deep depression. We never told anybody about the diagnosis for the first probably 12 months. Um, we just decided to keep it very quiet because I suppose really to put it bluntly, I was embarrassed to have health. And that's a, that's a crazy thing to say now, but I was, you know, I was ashamed of it all. And um, the depression gradually got worse and worse and my skills diminished with various reading, writing and, and all sorts of things. And it came to a point in time where I, I thought to myself, you know what, the world would be a better place without me. My family would get on better without me. And and, and that was where I was at at that time. So um, how did you get over that? I mean, that's, um, of course, understandable. And I'm sure well, many it's a, people... It's a strange thing. I'm, I'm very much a glass half full man. I always had been a very positive person. And I think when I got to the lowest point, the point of virtually no return where I don't think any living person should have to go it suddenly dawned on me that there was nobody actually helping me or us as a family and I thought well hang on a minute I know what it's like I know what it's like to be here at this particular point I know what it's like to have my head virtually in the news I know what all of that is about so if nobody is helping us then who's helping the thousands of other people who are being diagnosed last week tomorrow six months ago i thought nobody and that was really really the encouragement that i needed to think to myself well okay i have a purpose now to educate others help others and and hopefully just inspire people to live as well as they can with this condition to try and explain to people that life is not over with dementia life is just different it's not really over that was what spurred me on. That gave me a sense of purpose. And that's what people like me need, a sense of purpose. We need to feel as though we have something to do. And I, I love your video, um, your weekly video entries. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, you know, you there are things that you point out that most people, including myself, would never think of. Like, so for example, you talk about Real, the point where you forgot how to sign your name. And that's, yeah. of course, understandable, but that's something that 
it would make life quite difficult not being able to to have your signature anymore, right? So talk to us a little bit about that. I mean, that's, um, I mean, does that, does every day do you experience new things that kind of say, oh, wow, I can't do this anymore. That's another hurdle or from your perspective, um, I mean, it, you know, you're you're obviously an optimist, and and you are bringing a lot of positivity into um, your narrative. But things must also um, take you, catch you off guard. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, just to get back to the videos, they were actually my daughter's idea, believe it or not. Because I used to write everything down in a journal, and when dementia got so I couldn't read or write very well, she said to me, "Dad, do a video." I said, well, I don't know about that. So we ended up doing a video and we thought that we would probably only do maybe four or five videos. And here we are now, and I think I'm right in saying we're eight, 85-ish weeks in, I think, uh, something like that. But um, yeah, it, it, it's a very strange thing, the thing about signing my name. Um, I had to sign a document and it got so that I had the pen in my hand and I still to this day cannot remember whether I am right-handed or left-handed. I have absolutely no idea. My writing is pretty much the same, whichever hand I put it in. Um, and it, it, it came to me that I had no idea what my signature looked like. So I just wrote my name and I didn't know if it was my signature or not. And I thought, wow, this is, you know, this is a pretty bad thing really. And, and it, it, it does get you down little things like that. I come to realize that I knew what my name looked like, but my signature every time I sign it is completely different to the last time I signed it. So really the signature doesn't really mean anything. And, and these are the sort of things that people don't actually realize. If, if I go into a bank and I sign my name, they can uh, look at that and they're gonna say, well, this is not your signature, but it is because that's how I sign it now, but tomorrow I'll sign it differently. So um, that's just one of those things. I think one of one of the scary situations and one of the scary things that really scares me is that I and you mustn't dwell on this. Sometimes I think to myself, when I go to bed tonight, will I wake up tomorrow and there's something else that I cannot do? This is this is a big problem. Um, and I can get away. I can live without signing. I can live without remembering this interview in in an hour's time. I can live with it. But I can't live with the fact that I wake up tomorrow and my ability to speak like I am now has been drastically changed within that night or within three or four weeks or within a few months. That's the bit that really scares me through dementia, is not being able to project myself like I do now. And that's why I think I try and do so much now to, to fit as much as I can in. And it is, I mean, you know, um, with all, you, you're very articulate. Yeah, <laughs> so yes. when, when we speak, you know, and I, and I know it's probably different for your wife who's with you all the time, but when you speak, and I've said this before, when interviewing people who have um, been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, you know, and I, and I don't mean this in, in any, any degrading way whatsoever, but I, you know, I'm, I'm, astonished at how articulate you are because it doesn't seem like this disease is robbing your words um no. at but all can you see there is i have a theory behind that you see people like me 
we didn't get dementia on Monday and we were diagnosed on Thursday. Mm -hmm. We have been many years, um, I suppose, succumbing to where we are now. So as people, we devise natural strategies, natural coping ways. And we, we can probably have a conversation with somebody in the street for 10 minutes and they wouldn't even know we had dementia because we get mm -hmm. so good at putting on a show. That's the thing about it. It's a, a coping strategy that we we naturally, I think, fit into our lives. It's well, you spoke, you spoke earlier about the post-its, and I've heard that before. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, people who were starting to um, experience cognitive impairment, they would just put up reminders all over the place but without really realizing why they were doing it or analyzing it, for that matter. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's... Um, you, you, you just try and live your life the best you can. It's not like you go out and you break your leg and you find it difficult to walk. If you've got a pain in your hand um, for six months in your right hand, you will gradually do things with your left hand over that period of time. And, and it will naturally happen. And I think this is what happened with, with all of us with dementia. For a period of time, we cope. And we cope very, very well in our younger age group because we're physically fit. Um, I mean, I, I, there's something else I wanted to get to about, about exercise. I spend a lot of time cycling. I cycled across the country, um, right, right across England last year to raise funds for young dementia here in, in the UK. And I think that, that cycling is, is a great thing for me. And one of the ways that I cope with my dementia is I gave my dementia an identity. I made it a thing. Instead of it being inside my head, I thought I can't really deal with it in my head. But if I can make it a little person and I can see it, then I can give it an identity and I can deal with it. So my dementia is a little short fat man with, 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 a, with a point, you know, is he's always very grumpy. And one of the sayings that I use quite often is that when I go cycling, I leave my dementia at home. I leave him sitting at home, twiddling his thumbs on the settee, and he's not in control. I'm in control. I become what I was instead of what I am now. And that's the same for depression or any other form of, of sort of uh, mental issue. You've got to be able to leave your issues at home for a while. You've got to be able to get away from it. And I think physical exercise is such a wonderful thing. It, it, it helps me. It helps me deal with it. Otherwise, it's consuming, right? And so you're you're able to take a break from being a person with Alzheimer's disease. Exactly, yeah. I mean, the thing is, make no mistake about it. People like me, we know the journey we're on. We understand the path that we're taking. We all know the end product of this condition. But it's about what you do in between. That's the thing. And if we sit and dwell on tomorrow and next week, and and all the nasty things that go with dementia we've got to dwell on the good things and and that's what it's about it's not about the i can't do's it's about the i can do's do you do you feel like um you have the ability to slow down the pro progression i think and i'm i'm a great believer in if you eat well and you look at life in a positive manner then that must help to slow the progression down. If I sat in this house now and didn't hardly go out and was very depressed and, and really didn't interact with people, then I think I would be a lot worse than I am now. 
I really honestly believe that. And medication, medication does have a part in this, and doctors have a part in it. But I also believe that we are responsible for ourselves. It's also up to us to help ourselves. And, and that, is, that is a key thing. And I think that's a great way to look at it. And I love the fact that, tell us a little bit about participating participating in a docu-series um, that Channel 4 is producing. Um, yeah. I, I love that you're doing this. I was contacted by Channel 4 um, here in the UK and um, they wanted to, to do a documentary about people, people with dementia in my age group, early onset, in the work environment. Because technically we are unemployable according to all sources so a group of 14 of us got together with different abilities and we opened a restaurant in an old disused fire station in bristol and we ran that restaurant for seven weeks um, we had support from a michelin star chef and, um, and and another chef but really the support was only support once they'd shown us what to do and we got into the flow of it they were really standing back and uh, and just, you know, with their arms folded, saying, well, you, 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 you get on with it, you know, and, and that's what we did. So we'd done service, we laid tables, um, we took orders, and we'd done it all. And some people had mobility issues, some people had speech issues, some people even had sight issues. But the fantastic thing about it was we all became one big family. And... Um, they're now trying to roll out the restaurant that makes mistakes for a few weeks every year annually throughout the UK and hopefully throughout the world, getting all made to change to employ somebody and people with, with dementia. And I think the program is on, well, I know it's on sometime in March this year. We're not sure exactly of the date yet because they're still editing it. But um, it'll be a groundbreaking, um, groundbreaking program. And we're hoping it will show employers that, you know, we still have much to give as as a group together. We really do. And, and as individuals come to that. What, what was that like? Um, what was that like being involved in that community? And like, did you feel like you were um, able to do what was expected of you? Yeah, I think, I think basically, I mean, I personally was at front of house. And that was my that was my thing. I was good at being at front of house and, um, and escorting people to their tables. Some people were very good in the kitchen. So we all played to our own strengths, but we all assisted each other. To be part of a team, to be part of, of something that gave us all a sense of purpose was a very wonderful thing. Some people had issues with their speech, and by the end of the seven weeks, their speech had improved because they had been with people who understood, we all understood each other, and there was that level of peer support that most of us don't get, you know, we, we don't get that. Once we're diagnosed, there is only us. We can't seem to locate people in, in the same situation. If we can, they're in major towns and cities, and that's difficult to access. So that peer support every day, day in, day out, for those seven weeks, was absolutely fantastic. They, they often say that social socialization is so important, right? For the health of, of, of your brain. Um, so uh, we have a question coming in um, asking you, Peter, how do you think the quality of sleep um, helps with de your dealing with dementia? Any tips on how to use sleep as a way of healing? 
Um, yeah, well, in actual fact, sleep is something that I do reasonably well. And, and I think it's because I do so much during the day that I'm actually so tired that I can't do anything but sleep at night time. But I do find now that in the afternoons, I, I have to sleep. I, my advice is don't give in to it. If, if, you, if you need to rest, rest. Sleep for 40 minutes, an hour or whatever. I think it, it helps so much. Well, it does me because I, I get so mentally tired. Um, to give you an example, your brain today is, is just chogging along like quite a large engine. My brain now today is revving like mad to try and act what is deemed to be normal, to try and keep up the pace. So mentally, I'm getting pretty exhausted just by doing this. And there's no point in giving in to it. In actual fact, after I've done this, I've now got to go off and I've got another talk to do in one of our major towns so today's going to be pretty full on for me but um but sleep sleep i think is essential knowing when to rest but also knowing when to exercise they're they're the two key things so what is it that um you how should people treat you um you know uh You've, you've spoken about, you know, um, obviously you're a very capable person. You're doing a lot. You're giving speeches. You're enlightening a lot of people. But um, what, what has been the hardest part about the diagnosis of Alzheimer's in terms of your relationship with other people? And what should we know about, you know, how the best way to... Um, to to um to be with you and um what what is it that we should know from your perspective okay to summarize that up people with dementia and me we are still us i am still me i'm no different i can understand people i can i can talk to people and i can hear we don't need to be shouted at. We don't need to be talked down to. And we don't need people to ask our partners when we're standing there, how is he today? Just talk to us as normally as you would anybody else. Because that's so refreshing. And it's not that people don't, it's not that people are being nasty or it's not that people are being hurtful intentionally. I strongly believe it's because people don't know how to talk to us. They, there's a lack of awareness. And that's why I say today, just treat us like you would do. When I went and had my uh, diagnosis, I went into a doctor's surgery and it took about 15 minutes to get that diagnosis. And all intents and purposes, I was no different when I walked out of that surgery than when I was when I walked in. I was exactly the same person. The only thing that had changed in my mind is that somebody had told me Somebody had told me it was going to be bad, but nobody else knew. Nobody treated me any different until a year later, and we told the world that I had dementia. Then it was like a, it was like a light switch. People changed their attitudes to me, but they shouldn't have done because I was that same person before I told them and afterwards. So really, just treat us as you would do anybody else. So, um, 
I, uh, someone's just complimenting you, um, writing in, um, saying that um, I'm a fan of celebrity Facebook vlogger Peter Berry. You are a celebrity. <laughs> and, I don't think I'm a celebrity. I'm just me doing the things that I do. Well, um, according to this person, you're a celebrity. Um, and... Um, um, and he said, and this person says, and your wife, Teresa Berry, um, lots of Peter's success comes from her support. I'd like it to doesn't. hear more about the support he gets. Yeah, um, in actual fact, there's many things. My, as I've said before, a diagnosis is for the whole family. It's, it's not just for an individual. Um, people say, do I suffer with dementia? I don't suffer. The people around me suffer. My, my wife suffers. And I think that all the partners and carers, they're the ones that suffer. They're the ones who do all the support. My wife is the one who writes instructions for me to, to start the process of, of cooking a meal when she comes home from work. She's the one who sets up all the reminders on the electronic devices that we've got in the house. Um, because I forget to drink, I forget to eat, I forget to do all of these things. So she has to be my external memory. She has to be the one that organizes every mortal thing from driving to appointments um to what we're going to have to eat i can help her prepare food but i have to do it all under instructions i've become a five-year-old as far as mentally goes so she does have to do a lot and i think that the carers are the ones who really do shoulder the brunt of, of, of all of this um but without her support I wouldn't be nowhere near as I am there. This shirt that I'm wearing today, there was a note in my bedroom with put these jeans on, put this shirt on, right, ready for this interview because I wouldn't have a clue. I wish I had someone to, I wish I had someone who did that for me too, make life <laughs> <laughs> much faster to get ready in the morning. <laughs> yeah, so, everything is mentioned and, and so Peter, tell us what, what I mean, you, you've grown a Facebook group now. It has about 13,000 or so people on it. Um, tell, tell us what, what the group means to you. Um, is, is, is that really um, your channel to access other people who are in great need of support? Yeah, um, technology has, has, has been a, a great thing for me. Um, I mean, for argument's sake, doing this now, I mean, how, how cool is this, you know, a, 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 all these miles away and, I, and I'm chatting to all you wonderful people. Um, it's, it's became a great, great support network for me and, and many others. And I never dreamed that my videos would go globally where, where, they, where they've actually gone. And I never dreamt that, that you see, here's, now here's, here's something just to put into the equation. I started doing my videos to help others, but that's turned the other way around. And what people probably don't understand is that people responding to the videos, watching the videos is now helping me. That's, that's the turnaround. It's giving me the encouragement to carry on doing the videos. Um, so in actual fact, I'm getting as much support off the people who listen to these videos as they're getting from me. So there's, there's that sense of purpose again. There's that turning the whole negative round into a positive. And but, it, know, we, we, we do Zoom meetings and um, the, the restaurant that makes mistakes, all of us 14, 
we're all in a group chat together. So we can still be together without being together. It, and and um, how do people, you have your own YouTube channel, right? So how do people who haven't seen your videos um, access them? Yeah, actually, actually, funny enough, the YouTube channel was only my daughter started that up as a library for me because I was losing the videos. <clears throat> so she put them on this YouTube channel. Um, they don't get a great deal of views. Most of the views are on Facebook, sometimes three and four thousand views a week on each video. But um, I think there's loads of subscribers. And if people want to look at the YouTube channel, it's if, if they just put in Peter Berry, Alzheimer's, the the channel and the page will come up and um yeah so it's peter berry it's b-e-r-r-y and just alzheimer's and every 85 or six or however many there are they are all there right from week one the good days and the bad days as well and and what is the name of your facebook page or group um, it's just um peter berry living with alzheimer's okay Peter, I, I so admire what you're doing. And I have to say, um, I watching your videos, um, I'm learning a lot too. Um, and I find, you know, with a mom who has Alzheimer's, it's incredibly helpful um, that you can articulate so well um, from that first person perspective. So we thank you very much um, for sharing with us and taking the time and Having such an optimistic outlook is is um, really wonderful to see. So thank you. Oh no, thank you, thank you very very much. Because without you guys listening to the videos, there would be no point to doing them. So, you know, it's it's you lot make it as more more important than me doing it. But it it does give me a sense of achievement and purpose to know that for a short space of time, I can just open the curtain around dementia and just let people into my world just for a short space of time because everybody lives little bits of dementia in their normal lives but so many people don't actually realize it dementia is such a complicated condition disease but it is surrounded by many many simple solutions and a little tip for today is don't delve into the nasty messy stuff and try and work out the mechanics of dementia or alzheimer's because you never will you'll never get into somebody's head for you look at the simplistic bit around dementia look at the simple solutions like if you've got a mobile phone and you want to put something away and you might forget where it is take a photograph it's as simple as that and once you deal with the simple stuff it makes the complicated bit of dementia a lot less complicated and that, on that, is a great way to look at things. Um, thank you so much, Peter, um, for sharing. I hope more people have the opportunity to watch your videos. Um, and for this interview, um, we will be posting it on beingpatient.com, which is our site, um, under a new series we've launched called Being Patient Perspective. Um, the a first person look of what it's like to live with Alzheimer's and really be inspired by people like Peter. So thanks so much. Good luck on, I know you have a big day ahead of you. Good luck on your talk. And we look forward to uh, keeping tabs on you and watching your videos. Okay, well, they'll be there up every Friday morning at about 7.30 in the morning. So um, it'll be great to see you all there. Thank you. Okay, thanks so much, Peter. Bye-bye. <laughs>